This is Liquid Gold. All right, where the chocolate is spicy and the driving is dicey. Welcome back to Liquid Gold right here on WeOwnThisTown.net, the We Own This Town podcast network. My name's Mike Wolf here with you today talking chocolate. It is the chocolate episode. Now, we don't uh, go too crazy. I don't know if I'd classify it as a deep dive. We do deep dive on a few things, but what we've got today for you, we've got a ton of recipes which is a lot of fun. We've got a drinking chocolate recipe inspired by the movie Chocolat from uh, from our cocktail correspondent, Jessica Backus. And it's a great recipe. And then later we check in with co-host Mr. Kenneth Dedman about one of our favorite cocktails because last week we talked about the Gibson, which he really hates, I love. So we came together this week on a cocktail, one that we both love, the ultimate chocolate cocktail, the Grasshopper. Just an incredible drink. So we've got a few different recipes for that. We've got an old recipe for creme de cacao from an old uh, Italian distilling manual. What else? Oh, I've got a chocolate chess pie recipe I'm going to share with you shortly here. And we also discuss how chocolate, as it was consumed for thousands of years, going back to 1500 BC, some say 2000 BC, chocolate was consumed as a frothy beverage, a bitter beverage. It was basically like, if you want to draw a line from last week to now, we talked about Fernet, the ultimate bitter. Chocolate was essentially a bitter, and they were frothing it up by pouring it from a bowl situated near your shoulder. You pour it down the length of your body down to another bowl that's on the floor, and you repeatedly do that, and that's what the Mayans did, and they would mix uh, chili powder and chilies into this brew along with vanilla and later some say that the Aztecs began sweetening it with honey and things like that but one thing that uh, Kenneth and I did today we talked about the flip and how the idea of the flip being a whole egg cocktail and frothing up a drink giving it a lot of body well that's another thing that is kind of misunderstood by time as Kenneth gets into how the flip was essentially a hot beverage that was supposed to be frothed up, cooked in cast iron cookware that they had on these ships where the flip kind of originated. But he's got a cool flip recipe, so lots of cool stuff going on today. I gotta throw a shout out to Upright T-Rex Music, the tunes here on Liquid Gold, just matching for the logo. Find us on Instagram at liquidgold underscore pod and email us liquidgoldpod at gmail.com. Keep sending in some fun uh, holiday drinking ideas that we can talk about next week on the show where we're going to feature Coquito. Because if Puerto Rico, over the next four or five years, may become the 51st state, and they have an amazing take on eggnog called the Coquito that we're going to talk a little bit about. Also want to throw a shout out to our friends at Tennessee Action for Hospitality, helping, helping hospitality workers here in Middle Tennessee and beyond. And they've teamed up with our friends at Forever Friends Nashville. That is Forever Friends Nashville, and it's F-U-R-E-V-E-R for forever, as in dogs. Our friend Abby is an amazing uh, dog person, has a really cool company, Forever Friends. They've teamed up with Tennessee Action for Hospitality and Dinos for the Dinos and Dogs 2021 calendar. You can find yours truly in there with my great Dane George and my Dane pit shepherd mix uh june so they made the trip over to dino's to be in the calendar we're honored to be in there and uh do pick up the calendar it's for a for a good cause 
Proceeds go to Wags and Walk Nashville, who rescue all these dogs and, and uh, take care of them, nurse them back to health, get them back out into the world, find good homes for them. And then our friends at Tennessee Action for Hospitality, which we mentioned. So check out the Dinos and Dogs calendar available on Dino's website and available at foreverfriendsnashville.com for a good cause. Makes a good uh, Christmas gift. Okay. Now, speaking of the holidays, I've got a really amazing chocolate recipe for you here. This is uh, chocolate chest pie, something my wife makes every year, and it is just incredible. It's a Southern thing. The origins of chess pie go back to when someone said, what is this? This is incredible. Will you tell me what this is? And they're like, it's just pie. It's just pie. And that later, most people uh, believe that just turned into chess pie. It's just pie. It's chess pie. I love little stories like that. But this this came from my mother-in-law who tracked this recipe down, found it in an old um, Southern cookbook. We don't know the name of the book. Kind of been lost to time, but it's one of those old recipe cards that we still have around the kitchen. So here it is, chocolate chest pie. This will be great to make for the holidays. You can do the Arnold's version that Jess mentions where they put a little cayenne in there. So try that out. But this is just the regular chocolate chest pie. You need one pie crust. You also need one and a half squares of unsweetened chocolate. You need a half cup of butter. One tablespoon of all-purpose flour. One cup of firmly packed light brown sugar. Half a cup white sugar. You need two eggs beaten lightly. One tablespoon of milk. One teaspoon vanilla extract. Now, here's what you do. You set the pie crust in the fridge until it's ready to bake. You preheat the oven to 350 degrees. For the filling, you melt the chocolate and the butter on top of a double boiler stirring until smooth. You mix together the flour, sugars, and add to the butter and chocolate mixture and mix well. Beat the eggs with milk and vanilla, add that to the batter, and beat by hand until smooth. Bake in the oven for 30 minutes. Pretty simple recipe. Incredible chocolate pie recipe. Okay, let's turn it over to Jess real quick, who's got a really amazing drinking chocolate recipe. And I'm going to give you another one on the backside of that. And then we'll talk grasshopper with Kenneth. Tis the season to treat yourself. When the weather is cold and the world is gray, I can think of no better treat than the luscious, decadent, mystically spiced sipping chocolate that Juliette Binoche uses to warm the hearts of a frigid French country town in the movie Chocolat. It may seem cheesy and not really a holiday film, but watching the mysterious VN win over the people in the town with her chocolate and her charm always gives me happy holiday feels and it makes me crave hot chocolate, or even a slice of spicy chocolate pie from Arnold's, which is truly one of the most delicious things on the planet. When I make Vienne sipping chocolate for myself, I pull a little from each of my favorite chocolate gurus and add a spicy little kick to bring it home. I combine a cup and a half of whole milk with a half cup of heavy cream, heat it gently in a saucepan, and add six ounces of dark chocolate chips and four ounces of milk chocolate chips, whisking them almost constantly until it's melted and completely smooth. Then I remove it from the heat and gently whisk in a teaspoon of ancho chili powder, a pinch of sea salt, and maybe just a tiny pinch of cayenne. I rewarm it gently to serve. Maybe just a little sprinkle of ancho chili on top. This gives you about four to five servings. 
To make this mixture just slightly boozy, you can try adding a touch of Spanish sweet vermouth, such as Padre & Co. or Cruz Condi, or even OG Italian Carpano Antica. They all have lovely chocolate and herb notes. To make it a truly naughty holiday treat, I make a little hanky-panky riff with an ounce and a half of said sweet vermouth, an ounce to an ounce and a half of mezcal, and about a quarter ounce of Nardini or some other luscious dark style Amaro to tie the other ingredients together. This cocktail can be served, uh, stirred and chilled on its own with just a little orange peel or added into the sipping chocolate. Either way, I hope you enjoy and then it adds a little kick to your holidays and we can all give 2020 a little kick out the door as we look to the new year. Cheers. Okay, I hear you, Jess. Um, that was amazing. I love that movie as well, and uh, I think your version sounds absolutely incredible. I've got um, just a simplified version of that to give you folks, and this would be for like a Mexican-style hot chocolate that can still be pretty rich to drink. Um, you need two and a half cups of milk, and you can use the milk of your choice depending on your your dairy situation, because so many people are going dairy-free now, so use whatever milk you want. You could do oat milk. Sure, that'd be great. Two and a half cups. I'd probably recommend going whole milk, but do do your thing. And then you also need one cup or about five ounces, and that's the thing with a lot of these drinking chocolates. It's usually between four ounces to eight ounces, depending on how much you're serving, but this one, I'd do five ounces, six ounces or so. Chopped, and this would be chopped uh, unsweetened chocolate. And then what you do, you uh, combine those in a saucepan. You just combine the milk and the chocolate. You stir it over medium heat until it's all uh, dissolving and turning into beautiful drinking chocolate. Add some, uh, some cinnamon. If you have cinnamon sticks, that's great. You could uh, grate you know, or microplane a little bit of cinnamon in there. So I would say like a couple dashes of cinnamon, if you're using powdered cinnamon, a dash of nutmeg, a dash of cayenne, and then we can keep this low proof, um, three dashes of Angostura bitters. That's going to give you some nice spice. And then what I would do, and this is the Angostura is going to really help you with the froth. And then what you do, this could be something you could do on Zoom to impress your friends or your family for your Zoom holiday but you're going to pour that in between two different mugs repeatedly until you get the froth that you want. You could also do an immersion blender. That would be really easy as well. An immersion blender would froth that thing up beautifully. But you're really just looking for some spice and a little bit of heat and a very rich uh, drinking chocolate. And a great garnish for that would be like star anise pods if you have that. That would be just incredible. Or a cinnamon stick. All right, we're going to turn things over to a little conversation I had with Kenneth Dedman about the flip, the grasshopper, Thomas Jefferson's old wine, and creme de cacao coming up right here. All right, Kenneth Dedman uh, is on the line. It is a special chocolate hey edition of Liquid Gold, finally tackling what was essentially a 4,000-year-old Amaro between Mayans to salute whatever it was they were saluting. I'm not going to pretend to know. But, Kenneth, we were talking a little bit about chocolate and about how frothing it up was such an important part of this early beverage. There was no chocolate. Chocolate was not something that you turned into a candy bar and ate. Chocolate was not something that you made into a, a coffee drink. 
Chocolate itself was just a drink, and it was frothed up by people in really cool robes that uh, looked like they should be playing in Frank Zappa's band. But um, many of their ancestors did. Yeah, right. La- la- they would later join uh, Zappa's band. But the fascinating thing about the way these people froth frothed up this drink was pouring it from basically their shoulder down all the way down to their feet. So from one bowl that was that they would hold with both hands, they would pour it over down, pouring it into another bowl that was down on the floor. And by doing this repeatedly, um, it would create this intense froth. And there was no chocolate drink without the froth, had to have the froth. Um, and that was kind of the ceremony of it, which I really like. But you've you make a you make an interesting point because you're kind of a big flip guy. You've made some great flip cocktails, which um, most say of us. Yeah, say that again. What did you call me? You're a big flip guy. Big fan of Flip Saunders, <laughs> former former coach and GM of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, but you've made some great flip cocktails, which we've come to know is a way of frothing a drink. But it isn't just a way of frothing a drink. It's a way of adding a whole egg to a cocktail. And if you're going to do a daiquiri flip or a fernet flip or a chinar flip, it's this way of creating a cocktail with a whole egg, shaking that, whipping that up, making a cocktail kind of a protein shake. But uh, oh, you're, a big, you're a big flip, dude. So tell us about your perspective. <laughs> Or you just have, yeah, you have a well, good perspective. Let's hear it. I just want to back it up there. I don't think like the froth, the flip cocktail ever really like developed with rules. They needed like a receptacle to hold the beverage. But um, the original flip cocktail, flip being the word for froth, uh, didn't even have egg in it. It was kind of like a maritime drink that would froth more based on the infusion of iron from the cast iron pots and pans that they would make this rum, whiskey, what have you beverage at sea for each other. Were so, these like, like toddies that they would cook? Yes, like actually okay, like yeah. actually the flip was like very very much a toddy to begin with. Maybe probably in my opinion like the beginning of the toddies was was the flip cocktail, but like uh but who knows before that? I'm, I'm sure people were on land doing the same thing before these guys went to sea and did it. But it was popularized, of course, because, because the sailors go to ports and share their goods and their sometimes uh, archaic knowledge uh, with, with the townsfolk. And uh, the flip was invented later to be later to be easily done in cocktail bars with egg. And now, technically, Mike, I got to interject here. Like, in current cocktail culture, there is this thing where when someone says a flip, they mean a whole egg. But as far as I look at the loose, the loose rules, it just has to be an egg. So, like, if you want to be a nerd and you're ordering uh, your uh, amaretto sour, mm. and someone says, do you want an egg, lo- egg white? Be like, yeah, yeah, flip it. Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I figure if a guest would say that. But I think if, you're, if you are in a bar now and you order a flip, you're getting a whole egg. 
you're probably going to that. You're probably going to get a whole egg. You're getting the yolk and the white. But you do make the interesting point that it was originally similar to chocolate, just a way of frothing up a drink using cookware. Yes. We're here talking about chocolate. Creme de cacao being the chocolate spirit. Since we talk about spirits, we talk about cocktails. Creme de cacao is the chocolate kind of liqueur that has been used in cocktails and drank on its own for about 300. It looks like it's about 365 years or so. Almost 400 years. And you and I share a favorite creme de cacao drink, a drink that people shave chocolate on. It's one of the ultimate chocolate drinks that you might not think of as a chocolate drink, but being that it has two kinds of creme de cacao, the white and the dark, which now is really just a matter of caramel coloring or not, we're talking about the grasshopper cocktail. Yes. And we love it. It's a... It's a Guilty pleasure, many many say. It's a dessert cocktail in some circles. I'm going to talk about my pilgrimage to the uh, origins of the grasshopper, which is now a 100-year-old drink, turned 100 years old last year at Two Jacques in New Orleans. But you've got a really cool cocktail that where, where you bring together the idea of the flip and the grasshopper. So why don't you tell us about that? Yes, and lime juice. It's based off of the Pisco Sour, actually, Mike. Um, uh, Smashing up all the good things. Yeah, it's it's very much the same build. And whether you put an egg white in it or egg yolk or both, we could call it a flip. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I would prefer to use your recipe of homemade creme de cacao. Oh, yeah, we got that coming up. But the Tempest Coming up Fu- next. <laughs> Tempest Fugit brand has basically everything that you that you want like if you don't want to take the time and i understand it takes some time to make like homemade liqueurs and they're very rewarding some weird electronic stuff that you've never you're never used to or like framing or building you know like swinging a hammer when when it's all done you're very happy about it but yes i use pisco michael can you give us a recipe yes with your blender, it's preferably with uh, with sonic ice, but that's not necessarily true if you have a dope blender. We're drinking for two, even if you're by yourself. Uh, that's four ounces of uh, Pisco, uh, preferably from, from, from Peru, um, unless we have some Chilean friends out there. We'll get Pisco from Chile as well. That's us not wading into the debate. So... <laughs> We're drinking for two, four ounces of, of unaged Pisco, one ounce uh, dark creme de cacao, one ounce white creme de cacao. Woo, love it. Hang on there. Yeah. Three quarter ounces of uh, creme de menthe if it's available, or a decent squish palm full, like where you squish your, you squish your hand together and you're not necessarily breaking the stems of we'll say like three or four sprigs of mint fresh mint mm-hmm. i actually i prefer any creme de menthe to fresh mint in this cocktail yeah makes sense add heavy cream or if you're a deep thinker use goat milk mm. how much one ounce and a half of goat milk probably okay. one and a half ounce i do two ounces of uh half and half maybe a 
probably like three quarter ounce of heavy cream. Okay. Just a wee bit of lime juice. Just you just mm. want a little bit of acidity. We're gonna gulp this drink anyway, but like mm, crusher. The second yeah, if it's the first one, we're gonna crush it. But yeah, blend it up, blend it up, pour it into a chilled glass. You could throw like some pint glasses straight into your freezer as you're building this drink. They will be frosty and ready for you by the end. Just takes like five minutes. Yeah. This is Christmassy too. This is this is a Pisco sour for everyone in the Americas right now, but uh, also a grasshopper. So S- super I cool. think we need to name this cocktail just on the spot. Let me. I'm gonna look real quick. I'm looking for the name of a Peruvian grasshopper. Oh. We'll just look up like Oh the- dude, that is fucking amazing. This is the second day in a row I've seen something about the Katie did. You know those bugs the Katie did? Oh yeah. It's like a big old grasshopper. So they they have those down in Peru. So there you go. This is the Katie did cocktail. Nice. The Katie did. That's a good name. Damn. We accomplished something today. See, that's what I was saying. Like we, we got a new cocktail. To- the Katie we talk- did. We talked for like 20 minutes before we record. If we just like record Our- and, like just have our fucking okay. We talk for an hour. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, well that's cocktail, a great though. that's a great like, cocktail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, you put did. don't you put cho- you put like shaved chocolate in yours? Because I would finish yeah. it with that. But if you wanted to like put it in yours, I would I don't know like throw a mint sprig on top because we're, we're gonna chug it and let Mike build his and that's our next one. Sounds amazing. So I've got uh, I just have the traditional two jocks grasshopper recipe. This was a drink. Came from Two Jocks in New Orleans, which is, um, it's really, if I remember right, it's right by Cafe Du Monde, like right across the street. And it, this this drink goes well with like if you just had a bunch of coffee and you're about to start your day of drinking in New Orleans. But we need to attribute this drink. This was a guy named Philip Goucher who took ownership of Two Jocks in the early 20th century. He mixed up the grasshopper when he went out for a cocktail competition in New York City in 1918, and he took second place. He did not win. I'd love to know the winning drink, but I don't know what it is. But uh, he took second place at that big old cocktail competition. He brought the grasshopper back, and he's like, I did pretty well with this. Maybe we should start serving it, and sort of became a milkshake drink over the years, but their recipe from Tujox, which Kevin King and I sat there and had a few in succession because we were like, holy shit, was that as good as I th- I think it was? We're like, yeah, it was as good as we think it was. Let's have another one. The recipe, Tujox original grasshopper, which you can head on down to New Orleans once this is all over and uh, have one for yourself, but it's one ounce white creme de cacao, half ounce dark creme de cacao, half ounce green Creme de menthe, quarter ounce white creme de menthe. Got to have that complexity all around. And then two and a half ounces of heavy whipping cream and an eighth ounce of brandy. Just a wee bit of brandy. Combine the first five ingredients in a shaker filled with ice. Shake vigorously. Strain it into a flute. Pouring slowly. Top the drink with a float of brandy. And that's something to really note. A key... A key aspect of the original grasshopper at Tujox is they float a little brandy on it, which um, a lot of people that that make this cocktail, who've done riffs on this cocktail, there's been some great ones. Our friend Jeremiah did an amazing one at the Green Hour. That was probably my favorite grasshopper riff. Um, what did he do? But the uh, 
I don't recall. I know that his drink had a little bit of absinthe, I think. A little bit of absinthe, and then he was shaving chocolate oh, yeah. on top. It was yeah. just incredible drink. I think it had some vanilla ice cream. And there are plenty of Fernet versions of the Grasshopper as well. Fernet, Branca Menta, those would be incredible ingredients to use. So yeah, the Grasshopper, and it later became really Look. famous as a Wisconsin supper club drink. That that whole sub-sub um, genre of cocktails where in uh, the old Wisconsin supper clubs, mid-century America... It was like a big steak and potato dinner, and then they'd finish it off having dessert drinks, dessert cocktails. And the grasshopper was very popular. Those usually made with vanilla ice cream. But this is, this is in our opinion, the hosts of this show. The creme de la creme? Is that just too on the nose? Um, no, I mean... Creme dude, de cacao what? drinks. It's I the ultimate know. creme de cacao drink, would you say? I, Which really makes it the ultimate chocolate drink. People think of it as a... A mint drink, but it's a chocolate drink. Well, I would never necessarily tell you in sequence like what my top five drinks in the world are. It's hard. I mean, that's difficult. Yeah, that would take us some time. But the grasshopper is in my top five. It's as playful as thinking about being a child and running around in the grass. You're not necessarily playing with toys. You're just like being out in nature and like... You know, like grass burns. You ever get that? You're a redhead. You probably have allergies. So like (laughs) the grasshopper was a cocktail that was something that I had early in my maturity. And uh, it reminded me of those like playful feelings that I had as an explorative child. And the name is so perfect because... When you're a child and you actually look at the bug, the grasshopper, and you get the name figured out and look at their anatomy and, like, they can't hurt you. They always spring up and fly away and shit, you know, like, uh, they'll let you hold them sometimes, but then they always just, like, spring off you, like, jump, like, disappear. And, like, that was kind of, like, the first time that I had the grasshopper, that's what I thought about was just, like, I was thinking about the bug the grasshopper, but it also reminded me of like being in the woods, being in nature, being surprised by things, pleasantly surprised. That Those are the warm feelings that I have about the grasshopper cocktail. I'm glad you chose this one, Mike. Like, it's a great one. It is the, uh, like we said, the ultimate, the ultimate chocolate drink, creme de cacao drink. Yeah, before we mentioned how I've got this holy grail old handwritten recipe of an old Italian distiller that I'm going to share. It's a very cool old secret recipe of creme de cacao, homemade, um, that you can try. One of the more interesting stories I came across looking into creme de cacao, there were these 17th century bottles of wine that were said to have belonged to Thomas Jefferson. They were traded by a guy named Hardy Rodenstock. What a name. Um... And they did a wine tasting that was talked about in the Benjamin Wallace book, The Billionaire's Vinegar. They did a wine tasting, and they tasted some of these old Thomas Jefferson wines. What they ended up finding out was creme de cacao was used to boost the flavor of some of these really old, expensive wines. And to also probably to to kind of um, preserve them. But yeah, they used creme de cacao in old Thomas Jefferson wine to pass them off as like incredible, taste the notes of chocolate. And also 
you just bought that case for a million dollars. Have fun with it. But yeah, they, it was. It, but they were they were called on it. They were noted as fakes. I didn't hear if anyone went to jail or got uh, got killed for that, or if there was a duel. It was probably. Not I'm wondering. Good. I'm wondering <laughs> if it. I'm wondering if there's any available, man. Like they they got they got that stored away somewhere. Do they destroy it? Because I kind of want to taste. We it. should find some on eBay. I'm just okay. saying, like, I mean, like, that just sounds like vermouth to me. I've always wondered if chocolate was in, you mentioned vermouth, I've always wondered if chocolate was in Carpano Antica, the old school vermouth formula. Okay, creme de cacao in this old uh, Italian distilling manual. I had to uh, decode some of this Italian language in here, but basically 250 grams of pure grain alcohol, 500 grams of distilled water. Then 500 grams I don't, I don't know of what that sugar. Is. You know, like distilled water? No, I just can't convert grams to volu- like liquid volume. It's hard. Oh, yeah. I didn't, I didn't convert. It's, it's hard. And then 100 grams of chocolate powder, 0.5 grams of vanilla. So I would say you could probably do like a vanilla pod for that or a tiny bit of vanilla extract. And you combine all those ingredients together in a jar for about three weeks, shake that up to incorporate everything, and then later you have a nice homemade creme de cacao, and you could probably make really incredible versions of that liqueur using like artisanal chocolate and some of the fancier stuff that you can find now since the publication of that recipe, which goes back to, you know, I think like 100 years ago, old world Italy. Pretty fascinating. I think you should convert that uh, that recipe from grams to gallons. <laughs> right? And you need a big tub. That's, that's a big how Ameri- tub to make it in. That's how you make this American understand. You, that's your new country album that's, that'll be coming out, dropping in summer 2021. Can, can he, make can this he American understand. Dropping gallons, title track. <laughs> Wait, what? And, and notice how the title track that you said isn't the title of the album. Title of the album. That would be a track. great. No, that would be a good country <laughs> thing where you're like, the album is called "Make This American Understand." The title track. They're like dropping gallons. They're like, what's the name of your new album? I'm here Wait. promoting the single. Don't you know? Wait, that's the title track. You just said the title. Like, well, so you want to be all fancy with all your rules about what the title track is, but it's really just a really important track that talks about what's the ideas of the title. All right. <laughs> oh, man. Going off the rails today. It's good to cut loose, man. For our yeah, Christmas episode, we've got Coquito and more coming up next week, and we'll have some good booze news. It'll be okay. It'll be all right. It'll be, you know, like better mediocre plus one <laughs> he is my plus one he is oh buddy thanks <laughs> he thanks is kenneth inviting. dedman we'll talk to you next week buddy thanks mike i love you one, love you too one more time all right thanks so much to kenneth thanks so much to jessica Bacchus. and shout out to producer michael eads we will be back next week talking coquito and other holiday drinks happy holidays be safe out there be smart wear your mask from all of us here at liquid gold we love you Talk to you soon.